It's June, and that means it's time for the summer vegetables. And here's the Master Gardener's Guide to Sowing and Transplanting in June. Hi, I'm Roberta, and I'm living the urban farmer life in the city. I'm fitting in farm life a little bit here and there and want to bring you along with me. I want to teach you everything I learned so that you can be successful and hopefully learn from my missteps. I'll let you know what I'm doing with this almost daily farming journal podcast. Let's hear what today's entry is going to be. Out of the fall and winter vegetables that you planted are starting to get a little bit heat stressed. And this is the time when you can start to switch over to those summer vegetables. You have to be careful that if you're going to plant some of those really heat loving vegetables, you might want to keep them in a greenhouse to get your seeds up and running and to seedlings that you can plant outside as soon as it gets warm. Let's get started with all those plants that you can sow or transplant. Starting out with beans. There are lima beans, which are super wonderful when you can get them fresh. You can even get fava beans, which aren't necessarily in this category, but fava beans also grow really well in Southern California. Like they grow in Italy where the temperates are warm, you can wind up with really fresh beans that you just can't get in the store. Now the snap peas or any green beans or other types of beans, you can have wax beans, which are really just the yellow version of green beans. And then there's many different varieties of purple beans. I particularly like the long potted Thai purple beans. These are really amazing types of beans that you can eat for snacks and grow up to sometimes even two feet long. And I love to grow any of these beans so that you can stir fry them and especially with like a Chinese style where you add some garlic and some chili pepper and it is super yummy. So I can't get enough beans. Then there's the beets. There's all different varieties of beets. And beets are interesting because you can eat not only the roots, but you can also have some of the leaves as either greens that you can put into smoothies. You do have to be careful that if you're using the red ones, they can really wind up staining everything red when you start to peel these beets. So there's actually white beets if you want to try to reduce the amount of staining that you'll see. Now my my super favorite, and I don't know if it's just the color, if they actually taste better, but the golden beets are really lovely to have. So I really recommend that if you haven't tried them, go ahead and then get some of these seeds because they're really amazing. And just for fun, you can get some of the stripe beets. Now they're fun when you cut them open. It's more just for added eye interest, but really the taste isn't very different. And if you can get all of these growing at just the perfect time, you can wind up having wonderful roasted beet salads that are just the joy to have during the summertime. And then there's carrots. Carrots can really be grown almost all year round. Now you can have orange, red, purple. There's all different types of colors of carrots. And again, this is really for eye candy when you're trying to pull things out of your garden. You want them to look amazing. Pretty much the taste is going to be um, fairly similar. Some are going to be sweeter. Some of them are going to be more tender. But you do want to make sure that you're picking them early enough so that they remain tender and don't get fibrous. One of the things that's a little bit tricky is they need to stay moist. So when you're so them, a lot of people will either put them under some covering such as like a board and that will allow them to stay moist and then you can remove the board and then make sure that those have germinated. Now a cousin to the celery is celerac and it is really grown for the roots and the roots can be made up into dishes very similar to say a turnip but it has this kind of celery flavor. Now celery itself 
has a couple different versions. There's a leafy version, and then there's what we know as our stock versions, also called Pascal's. And they are the ones that you can find mostly in the grocery store. So this is going to be your stock version of celery. And then you can have chard comes in a rainbow of colors. So it's really beautiful to have in the garden. They grow really large. And if you're growing them out into the fall, they can overwinter really well and give you green leafy vegetables all year round. Now, I love chard because it grows these huge leaves. So a lot of times if you use the plant and you're trying to find what type of dishes, anything that has spinach, you can replace with chard. And this is like a great way if you're using a lot of Indian dishes that require a lot of spinach. Sometimes it can actually be a little bit hard to get a lot of spinach. So actually substituting chard can be a great alternative. Now, another summer favorite is going to be corn. And corn's really interesting because it has a lot of different varieties and you can divide them into a couple of different versions. One is going to be sweet corn, which is something you're going to eat fresh as soon as you pull it off the stock. And then there's the other that you are actually going to dry. These can be called popcorn versions. They can be ground into flours and so be used as maize. So again, you have your sweet versions that are going to be hybrids that you can find. For some reason, I haven't had a lot of luck with those hybrids, but I have had a lot of luck when it comes to some of the popcorn versions. Like glass jam corn is just beautiful. And I think if you have an opportunity to grow some, you definitely should just so that you can show off and show people the pictures. Because just before you dry it, they are just beautiful. They glisten. They're multicolor. They come in a range of royal blues to royal reds. And they are just eye candy and just great for any of those pictures that you're putting together to show off what you've done in the garden. Another summer favorite is going to be your cucumbers. And for cucumbers, there's going to be a couple different versions. You're going to have the pickling kind and then the eating kind, which you can just eat right off the stalks or off the vines, I should say. Those pickling kinds are going to be smaller. That's going to make them easier to pickle. And then there's also the eating kind, which are usually going to be a lot longer. Those might be your Persian cucumbers or Japanese cucumbers and um, some of the hybrids that you can have as eating or you can juice them. There's so many things you can do with cucumbers. And so having a bunch of vines is a great to have during the summertime. Now, another new type of variety that I haven't been trying and I'm trying this year. It's going to be the cucamelons. Now, a lot of people know the kind of very common Mexican cucamelons. They're very tiny. You have a whole bunch of small little cucamelons that are tender and also a little bit tart, but they actually have a lot of these larger melons that I'm going to try this year. I don't have some pictures because I haven't grown them yet, but I would recommend that if you love um, melons and you love cucumbers. This could be a nice little like hybrid of the two that will taste slightly sweet, be very juicy and refreshing during the summertime. Now, my favorite is eggplants. I cannot tell you how wonderful a plant from the garden is. And I love all different kinds. I haven't been able to get them to grow as well as I wanted in the past, but it was really the trick of using the um, greenhouses. And I just got some small greenhouses and they made a huge difference for being able to start these from seed. And if you get the eggplants, there's all different types. There's a bunch of Asian versions and there's like some brown ones, some long ones. Some of the rounds are oblong ones or 
are going to be like your black beauties. They are just huge and something that you can use to make, say, eggplant parmesan. Or if you want to make a lasagna that has eggplant as some of the layers, those are going to be really great to have these long oblong ones. There aren't technically round ones, just like cue balls. Those are really interesting. I always wonder if that's like the best use of your garden. I'm trying some this year, so I'll let you know how that goes. And then those Asian ones that I was talking about are just very common if you want to have some stir-fried eggplant. They get creamy and soft and juicy. I, I can't say enough about those eggplants. And then just so you know, there are all different types of versions in terms of the colors. You can get anything from purple ones that are so dark they almost look black. And then you can have these creamy white ones. And then there's ones that have these variegated kind of stripes or textured looking skins. And again, you can roast them, create all kinds of tomatoey dishes out of them. And then there's lettuces. Now these are tricky to grow in Southern California because lettuces have a, a tendency to bolt. So you want to make sure that you're getting ones which are listed as either oak leaf and heat tolerant ones. And a little trick you can have is you can have a lot of different varieties. You want to plant these in succession and you want to make sure that you have a variety so that you can create like a very eye catching type of salad. Or if you're putting them into any sandwiches, those are really fun to have when you have a variety, especially the red ones, I think it can be really striking. They almost go to that kind of bronzy color. And some of these varieties that I found on the um, Botanical Interests website are Black Seeded Simpson, Great Lakes, Ice Queen, there are Little Gems, Marvel of Four Season, New Red Fire, Paris Island, Red Sails, which is the one that I really get and are growing in the garden, uh, Rouge de Hivier, if that's the way you pronounce it, and then the salad bowl kind of blends are also usually heat tolerant. So those are great ones to have in your garden at all times. Make sure that you're successively planting these. I will put some in a shaded area in a greenhouse just to make sure they're out of the way from little birds that are going to possibly eat those. Also, a lot of insects or snails can eat those little tender seedlings quickly to try to protect them. That's a greenhouse that you want to keep in the shade rather than having them in the sun so that they're heating up. That's something just to be um, careful and aware of. And then you can look at your melons. Now, melons are going to be um, another one of those wonderful things that you can really only have in the summertime. Even though I did have this one Indian melon that wound up growing through the summer and then ripened towards almost like the middle of winter, which was just wonderful to have that flavor at the beginning of winter time. So there's a couple different versions. So there's the musk melons, and then there's going to be the late melons. Musk melons are the cantaloupe type. And so those kind of have those more common orange flesh. The outer shell is going to look very different. So that skin could look a little bit more textured. It could be white to a yellowish or orangish type of color. And musk melons are going to be very sweet and wonderful. You do have to be careful for whatever reason. I know a lot of people who've tried to grow musk melons and sometimes they just don't taste that great off the vine. You just need to make sure that they are ripening fully before you wind up harvesting them. And then the other types of melons are going to be some of the honeydews, which are really fun to grow. I actually have grown a lot of honeydew seeds where I took just a, a regular honeydew melon that I bought in the store and then planted all the seeds. I thought actually the fruit wasn't going to be ripe enough to have viable seeds, but they sprout really well. So that's um, been an easy way to get some other melon seeds to grow. And then of course, you got to have a little bit of watermelon. I have not grown a watermelon seed in the past. 
And so I've always just placed them outside and I just don't water enough to keep them really moist. So I've started mine in a greenhouse where I can put them in a little dish of water to make sure that the soil doesn't dry out. And finally, I have some watermelon seedlings. That's really exciting. And then okra is another one of my favorites. And it it seems like I'm saying a lot of these things are my favorites, but okra really is just um, wonderful to eat. And for some reason, I feel like I just can't get the right okra when I get it at the store. Sometimes I can find it at the farmer's markets. I like the small versions and maybe that's why it's a little bit trickier to get in the grocery store. And I love all different versions. So there's green and red varieties. It tastes really isn't going to be that different. And again, you want to get these okra and pick them when they're small. You want, if possible, to get them as uniform in size as possible when you're picking them. Because if you wind up taking them at different sizes, the larger ones are going to be more fibrous. They're going to take longer to cook. And so they won't cook evenly. And then some of the things that you can do with the okra, you can fry them. You can have a lot of tomatoey curries. I've had some really wonderful Indian dishes that have been amazing. And so I highly recommend okra if you're not used to eating it. It's just delicious. And then, of course, peppers are really a classic item for the summer garden. Here in Southern California, you can actually grow peppers almost year-round. You can keep your plants and overwinter them. And then during the springtime, you prune them almost to the ground. So that's another way to get a fast crop. The peppers can have either the chili ones that are going to be the hot ones or the sweet varieties. The chili pepper is going to be green. And then as it gets older, it will turn more red. And that's pretty much with all the peppers. So you can get them at all stages if you're trying to get some different colors. Now, some of them will be different colors right before they get very red at the end. And so that's when you have your red peppers and like the bell peppers. You can have orange ones, yellow ones. This goes from some of the sweet Italian versions. They will have a variety of different colors. Even the chili peppers can also have some different colors. So some of the habaneros are orange that I know of. And then there's sweet potatoes. Now, I bought a whole bunch of slips and they've been growing. I just have have not harvested any of them, so I'm just going to keep on letting them grow. Sweet potatoes are one of the things that can actually be a little bit invasive, but a lot of people can get a lot of protein out of sweet potatoes, and so if probably isn't a bad thing that they're invasive because it just means you have a lot of them. Now, you do need to make sure when you harvest them, you have to cure them and let them sit for a little bit and keep them in a protected area. Around here, we have a lot of rodents, so I always need to make sure they're in a protected place in the house. If you're on a vegan or vegetarian diet, they add a lot of protein. You can just bake them all up and have them as a supplement to any of your meals. And then pumpkins are fun to grow. Now, mostly I'm going to talk right now about the winter squash. So winter squash are the squash that you grow and then you wait till the winter time before you harvest them. So those are going to be your classic kind of Halloween pumpkins that are going to grow on the vine. You can have maybe just a couple different pumpkins on a vine and let them grow really large. There are a lot of very decorative ones that are really unusual in terms of their shape. There are gourds that you can have that are going to be decorative. They're a variety of colors and you can just go crazy with the types of different types of winter squash that you can grow. Now, one of the other things that is unique about winter squash is they are the type of squash where you can harvest the seeds and eat them. And that's really fun because now you're also getting a couple different crops. So you're getting like the flesh of the actual, technically three, because they can be decorative. The squash can be eaten for the flesh. And then you can also eat the seed and you can toast them. You can also put them into different type of dishes. And after they're cooked, they can be blended and make it more 
almost like a, a nutty type of flavor. And something that you can always be growing all year round are going to be the radishes. Now, radishes are quick growing, so you can intersperse them between other plants and seedlings. Because a seedling, if you grow them at the same time and put some seed of radishes in, they will grow quickly enough that you can pull them out. Plant is maturing, and that's a way to get more use out of the land that you have. And the more common ones that we will see, people have like English breakfast. You can also have kind of the little round, quick growing radishes. There are also, in case you didn't know, there are a lot of different white radishes. One of the most common ones that you might see in the market are going to be daikon radishes. There's a lot of different Asian radishes that are white that are sometimes more spicy depending on when you harvest the root. You can pickle them, you can eat them raw, you can shave them, you can make it into a really finely grated, almost like a mush, and then you add it to, say, a soup and it gives it a nice, wonderful kind of texture. Now, something I haven't been growing, which I will probably do at some point, is New Zealand spinach. Now, this is one of the kind of classic permaculture type of plants to have because it grows all year round. It winds up self-seeding, so it's a perennial, really a wonderful addition to any garden. They do grow well in Southern California. I also wanted to add some summer squash that are really fun to grow because summer squash are great because you can eat not only the squash itself, but also the flowers. Now these come in a variety of colors. You can have a very dark green. You can have a, a light green and the yellow versions. You can also have a lot of these kind of patty pan type of squash that are around. The flavors aren't too different. And if anything, if you want a creamier type of squash, you may want to go ahead and then use some of the longer, bigger ones rather than the smaller ones. But the smaller ones are very cute to add to a dish and you can pick them young and they'll need more tender. And again, the squash blossoms are a great addition if you want to either steam them, you can fill them, you you can fry them as a tempura. The one thing that's interesting is a lot of times what I'll do is I will let say the male flowers open up, allow those to be used to pollinate, like the pollinators will come by, pollinate them. You do want to be careful though, because at the end of the day, the flower will close. And if there's a bee or other pollinator that was in the flower when it closed, the bee will actually be inside there. So you want to make sure that you don't accidentally sting your tongue by eating a bee. So make sure that you just check those flowers. I found a lot of them, if, even if I just shake them, I can hear them buzzing inside. You can just open it up and then let the bee out. Now, one of the things that most people will start out with if they are starting gardening is going to be starting with tomatoes. And you can sow or transplant these. Now, in Southern California, most people, well, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people start their seed way back in somewhere between December and January. You need to make sure that they have some bottom heat and that means that you're going to have plants that you can have and transplant them out even as early as March. But you can still buy seed and transplant um, seedlings if you're buying those right now in June and summertime. You won't get a crop that's great if you grow tomatoes late in the summertime. So you do want to make sure that you're trying to get them in as early as possible. And so if you can, get some seedlings and then transplant those if you want to make sure that you get a crop this summer. Otherwise, if you plant late in the summertime, I've actually had some that overwinter and then you're getting crops as early as February. So I think that's another great way to be able to see what works in your area. I use some of those Siberian versions, but I've also had some that are not necessarily grown high in the Northern Hemisphere, but you can try and experiment. So there are a couple different like major categories of tomatoes. You can have a large or you can have the cherry varieties. If you're trying to overwinter, 
cherry varieties are probably going to be your best bet. They can actually give you crops throughout the winter time, at least here in Southern California. You can have the golden ones, yellow ones. They can be bright red. They actually can be fairly large. The fun thing about having them as cherry tomatoes is you can have these long little vines that have just a spray of different cherry tomatoes. You just eat them whole. You can eat them right off the vine. Some of the ones that I have right now are smaller than dimes and they are super yummy. You get a lot of skin, so it's not ideal, but they are just super sweet and pop in your mouth. Now, here's a variety of different colors. Now, I did mention all the cherry versions will have a lot of different colors. Same for your beefsteak, your heirlooms, your large tomatoes, so your slicers. You can actually pick any of these varieties when they're green, and they're just going to be a little bit tart. They're going to be more firm. You can fry them. You can eat them green. It's Go ahead and eat them at all different times. They're very fun to experiment with. And of course, what I like to do is get some of these, roast them. They are super yummy. You can have them in some olive oil. They can actually keep really well if you've roasted them and keep them in the fridge. You can add them to different types of sandwiches, all kinds of dishes, especially if you have any Italian dishes that you're adding a lot of things to your pasta. Some roasted tomatoes are just, just lovely. They add a little bit of sweetness and sometimes a little bit of tartness. Remember to subscribe to the Living the Urban Farmer Life podcast so you can grow what you know about growing food and caring for your furry and feathered friends. You can also find us on YouTube and Facebook as the Urban Farmer Life and at urbanfarmerlife.com for posts and links to help you be successful on your own urban farm. Now go out there and grow something. It's a wonderful time to think about going out and gardening. So I hope you go out there and grow something. Thank you for joining me on the Living the Urban Farmer Life Journal podcast. I hope you're having fun growing what you know while caring for your soil and your furry and feathered farm friends.